0: we <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Christ in Prophecy. We are so glad you've joined us in this series answering one of today's most important questions, what exactly is God doing in world politics?
1: That's the question Nathan and I posed at our Lamb and Lime Ministries Fall 2022 Regional Bible Prophecy Conference. In helping us get the answers to today's hard political questions from what the Bible prophesied so long ago, we sought out Mondo Gonzalez of Prophecy Watchers, Al Guest of Maranatha Evangelistic Ministries, and Pastor Steve Heaster, who hosted the conference at Emanuel Bible Church in Three Springs, Pennsylvania.
0: In the first episode of this three-episode series, we showed you highlights from my topic concerning Russia and China in Bible prophecy. I focused on Russia's role in the Gog-Magog as revealed in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. I was followed by Al Guest, who addressed Europe and global government in Bible prophecy. Al concluded that the European Union of today is the prenatal form of the revived Roman Empire that will one day soon give rise to the Antichrist and his one-world empire.
1: This episode will focus on what God is doing in world politics concerning the Middle East. We'll begin by showing a fascinating excerpt from Mondo Gonzalez's presentation, picking up right after Mondo's emphatic call to interpret the Bible for its plain sense meaning. Anyone reading the Bible literally knows that it accurately prophesied the present-day regathering of the Jewish people back to their promised land. We hope that in showing you these presentations, you will gain a better understanding of what God is doing today in world politics and be equipped to live and serve in these challenging times. Here now is Mondo Gonzalez.
2: What's on the horizon for Israel in prophecy? As we looked with Israel to the future, there's a lot of things that are going on. One of the things I don't, I don't have on here is, and I'll just, because I got a, just a little bit of time, I'm ahead of myself because I'm talking so fast, is anti-Semitism. When you come in, into the Olivet Discourse and you, you see, especially during the Tribulation, we know that anti-Semitism is going to increase to a very serious way. And it's interesting that... Um, Right now, if you look around, anti-Semitism is up around the world. And who's the god of this world? Satan is, right? And we know in Revelation 12, this is in the middle of the tribulation, that he, Nathan references, the dragon turns his eyes to go and attack the woman who's Israel. And and he he gathers this worldwide uh, event in the sense, Uh, He's the God of this world, the whole world lies under the sway and the power of the wicked one, 1 John 5.19. So you have these passages that tell us that why is it that the world, especially the United Nations, why is it that they hate Israel? They're taking their orders from the God of this age who hates Israel. Why does he hate Israel? Well, we're going to see a couple things. But as, as we watch and you see anti-Semitism increase, just know that it's part of the end game. Because in Zechariah 13.8, this is one of those passages, it's interesting because you guys, many of you will know this passage. The seven-year tribulation is primarily, not only, but primarily about Israel. It's a time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. We, know, we, we see these passages. But during this seven-year period, there's trouble around the whole world. We know that. God's judging, finally wrath of God. We know that. But it says that God is going to refine Israel, and he's going to bring one-third through. Two-thirds are going to perish. Now, I want you to think about this in the sense of numbers. Today, there are around 18 million Jews in the world. What's one-third? We divide by three, you get six million. Six million are going to make it through. Twelve million are going to perish. In this worldwide genocidal act of Satan, the dragon, the final beast system. But we're seeing the seeds be planted right now for this hatred of Israel, especially in Europe. It's happening. It's, it's amazing how they've forgotten what happened in the Holocaust. When you go back to World War II, we know that there were 6 million Jews. In the coming seven-year tribulation, there's going to be 12 million that are going to perish. Out of the worldwide, 18 million. And you look at this and it's consistent because what did Jesus say? There's coming a time, it's coming upon the earth. There's never been a time like it ever and ever will be again in the sense of destruction, chaos, death. Nathan mentioned half of the world. But Satan has to, his entire goal has always been to get rid of the Jews. Why? Because of, there's, it's interesting. I, I love in the Bible the, the word until because it gives me a time marker. I'm a words guy. And Jesus says, you will not see me again until, I'm like, circle that. He's giving us an equation. When are we gonna see Jesus again? He says, Matthew, 27, or Matthew 23, 37 through 39. You will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this is my, this is my political work of the day. We need to go to Israel. And we need to convince the prime minister to simply go into the Knesset and sign a law saying, we repent, we believe in Jesus, we're inviting him back, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Jesus will come back. Now we know that that's not very probable, but that is the equation. So how do we, well I guess I'll say, how do they get to the point of saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and, and acknowledging Jesus? It's called a seven year tribulation. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, where God says, Israel, I'm bringing you back in unbelief. We're going to have a little talk. We're going to talk about you killing my son. We're going to talk about you killing the Messiah. And he's going to grind them down to the end. Jesus says, if if the the time wasn't shortened to seven years, nobody would survive on earth, including Israel. But for the sake of who? The elect. Israel, we're going to have a talk. And he grinds them down so that by the time they have nothing left, they recognize. And the Holy Spirit's there. The, the two witnesses that had been preaching. There's 144,000. They're going to go, look, what did we do? Zechariah 12.10. They'll look upon him and they appearance, and they're going to mourn like their only child. You think about a child loss and how devastating. Think about 2,000 years. Let me give you a little example here. In Israel today, Many of you go, or if you talk to an Israeli, I used to do a lot of uh, Israeli evangelism. Um, And you go up and you say, I want to talk about Yeshua. Many of them are going to go, who? Because what do they call him? You guys know? They call him Yeshu. Not Yeshua, there's an extra vowel on there. They call him Yeshu. And the reason they call him Yeshu is because it's an acronym, acronym that means may his name be blotted out forever. Now think about that. Your entire tradition for the last 2,000 years, when you refer to Jesus, you call him Yeshu. May his name be blotted out forever. His very identity is an insult. And then you come to see him as your Savior? Oh, that's why they mourn. A couple other things as we wrap it up. Jerusalem as a point of contention, Zechariah 12. We know the passage that Jerusalem will become a what? Burdensome stone. To all nations. Again, if you go a hundred years ago, who cared about Jerusalem? Nobody. I mean, maybe a few Jewish people. Let's go 200 years ago. Who cared about Jerusalem? Even more nobody. It was a backwater wasteland. Sewage running in the streets. It was not a beautiful city. And I think God left it that way for 1,800 years so that nobody would go take up residence. But as we come to the end, Zechariah 12 tells us, as we come to the end, the nations... Are going to be have this contention over Israel and especially over Jerusalem. Who is Jerusalem going to be an international city? We see that idea that the, the Vatican wants to come in and make it an international city, and, and there's going to be, you know, um, the uh, a Vatican presence there. Is it figurative or literal? It's straightforward. Elijah arrives before the day of the Lord. That excites me. Because I believe that the rapture is going to happen prior to the day of the Lord. But if we look at Malachi 4, is it possible that as we're going up, we say hi to Elijah as he shows up? Hey, good to see you. Oh, there's the trumpet call. See you later. He arrives, it says, before. How far? We don't know how long before the day of the Lord, that seven-year period of trouble. But I get a little bit excited thinking that maybe. We also know in their future. Again, when we... The 70 week of Daniel, when we look at Israel right now, again, what do we see? Romans 11 talks about Israel and, and the whole Romans 9 through 11, really. But Romans 11 says that there were a few that came to salvation through Jesus Christ and the rest were blinded. Until when? See, there's a word until again. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in and then what? All Israel will be saved. Israel has a great future, but it's going to be a tough time before that future of conversion and reception, which can only be found through Jesus. There's no separate covenant for Israel. They have to submit to Jesus Christ. And we know Daniel 9, 70 weeks of Daniel, Jeremiah 37, the time of Jacob's trouble. We also know that there's coming this covenant with the Antichrist. John 5.43, Jesus says, I have come in my Father's name and you didn't receive me. There's someone coming in his own name and him you will receive. And it is... This false covenant. 2 Thessalonians 2 describes the nature of this man of sin. Isaiah 28 talks about a covenant of death. That when they sign this agreement, they're putting their faith. And think about the John 5.43. They wouldn't receive Jesus, but another guy comes and they'll receive him. And he comes in his own name. This, this figure, this, this, it's, it's horrible what we know. We get excited about prophecy, and we we interview a lot of Israelis, and oftentimes, it's like, well, Mondo, what do you really think about us? And I go, well, do you really want to know? I think that you guys have a very difficult future ahead of you, and I'm sad for you. Just like Paul, right? Romans 10. If he could he would have given up his own salvation he, he had a longing for his brothers to be saved which means they weren't I said man I, I you can have the, you can skip all this if you put your faith and trust in Jesus oh no 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 yes you I remember I was in Israel if you go up to a little short story up at where the, the boat is the the, the Galilean boat the Sea of Galilee well in there they have this story about Jesus and you know the disciples in the boat and and so I was up there with my guide who was not a believer by any means. And so I said, I, 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 I'm not very dramatic, but I'll say, I'm going to be dramatic here. This will be fun. So I, I go, hey. I said, you see this? And, and I'm able to read Hebrew, and, and it said Yeshu, because it uses the modern name for Jesus, Yeshu. And I go, you see that? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I go, I'm extremely offended by this. I don't get offended easy, but I'll, I'll play the game. I said, I'm offended by this. He goes, why? I go, well, you know what Yeshu means, and he did. I go, this is extremely offensive to every Christian believer that comes in here. And he goes, well, we could talk to the 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 tourism department, you know. And I'm like, I was kidding, but I was not kidding. But he knew what it meant. And so you have this tradition. And again, God's going to have a conversation. What do we know? What do we look forward to? What's in Israel's future, which has already been prophesied? They're going to come into the land. He's going to sprinkle clean water after a seven-year time of trouble. And Israel, all Israel, will be saved. That one-third that makes it through. And we are going to rejoice. And what does Paul teach in Romans 11? If their stumbling was glory to the world, what will their restoration be for the glory of the world? And when we look at the millennial period, Israel is going to be the head of all nations. And when we look at prophecy, so as we look at Israel past, present, and future in prophecy, Again, I'm not here to tell you what to think, but how. No matter what we do, if we continue to take scripture straightforward, and there's again little variations as we see the, the puzzle pieces coming together, but we go, oh no. And as we go and we talk to people who don't believe or who are in other churches, who are other believers that are confused because maybe they're in churches where their pastors don't teach it, we go, hey, we, we can show you how to come to the interpretation yourself that's consistent all the way through. Israel has a glorious future and God's Word is true because we've seen it. And if there, again, if there's a skeptic or a scoffer, I would say, I'm not sure what else we can do. God has given his, Israel's history past, present, future in advance.
0: I wish we had the time here to show you Mondo's presentation in its entirety, especially the parts concerning the prophetic wars Israel will soon be facing, and the monumental preparations being made in anticipation of building the Third Temple. Although we will not be offering a DVD of this conference, we do invite you to go to our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel under the conference's playlist and stream free all of the presentations. We also offer numerous articles and sermons about Israel and Bible prophecy on our website at ChristinProphecy.org. So please check them out. And in just a moment you'll learn how to get your own copy of an exciting book our founder, Dr. David Reagan, wrote concerning the Jewish people in prophecy. Stay tuned.
1: And after this offer, we are going to show you an excerpt from Pastor Steve Heaster's presentation concerning the Palestinians of Bible prophecy. Let me just say that Steve's mastery of the Bible was matched by the gracious hospitality he and his staff offered in hosting our regional conference. If your church would like to invite one of our evangelists to speak at your church, or partner with Lamb & Lime Ministries to co-host a regional conference, please have your pastor contact us. If you enjoyed today's program, you will want to get a copy of Dr.
0: Reagan's book, The Jewish People, Rejected or Beloved? In this 230-page book, Dr. Reagan deals with a variety of challenging questions. Have the Jews ceased to be God's chosen people? Are they guilty of the unforgivable sin of killing God? Has God replaced them with the church? Have they lost all hope as a nation? Are they devoid of any role in the end times? If God still loves them, how can He allow them to experience the Holocaust? Dr. Reagan deals with these and many other questions regarding the Jewish people. And in the process, he reveals the evil of replacement theology and the tragedy of dual covenant theology. And he does so in simple, understandable language. We can provide you with a copy of this book for a donation of $20 or more. That includes the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com.
3: Let me just begin with this, on June 15, 1969, Golda Meir, Prime Minister of Israel, made this statement to the Sunday Times. There is no such thing as a Palestinian people. It is not as if we came and threw them out and took their country. They didn't exist. She was pilloried by Muslim propagandists. They charged her with racism, they accused her of historical revisionism, they accused her of being out of touch with reality and being in denial, but she was absolutely correct. On March 31, 1977, the Dutch newspaper Trial published an interview with Palestine Liberation Organization executive committee member Zahir Mousain. Here is what he said. The Palestinian people does not exist. The creation of a Palestinian state is only a means for continuing our struggle against the state of Israel for our Arab unity. In reality today, there is no difference between Jordanians, Palestinians, Syrians, and Lebanese. Only for political and tactical reasons that we speak about the existence of a Palestinian people since Arab national interests demand that we posit we we posit the existence of a distinct Palestinian people to oppose Zionism. For tactical reasons, Jordan, which is a sovereign state with defined borders, cannot raise claims to Haifa, Jaffa, or while as Palestinian, I can undoubtedly demand Haifa, Jaffa, and Beersheba, and Jerusalem. However, the moment we reclaim our right to all Palestine, we will not wait even a minute to unite Palestine and Jordan. And on the same day that Yasser Arafat signed the Declaration of Principles on the White House lawn in 1993, he explained his actions on Jordanian TV and here's what he said. Since we cannot defeat Israel in war, we do this in stages. We take any and every territory that we can of Palestine and establish a sovereignty there and we use it as a springboard to take more when the time comes, we can get the Arab nations to join us for the final blow against Israel. So here's an uncontestable fact. In the history of the world, Palestine has never existed as a nation. And the sad thing about it is yet we have today major denominations of Christians who take action against Israel constantly, boycott, divest, sanctions, and so one of the mainline denominations just this past summer passed what they call Resolution INT 02283, stating that this denomination recognized that Israel's laws, policies, and practices regarding the Palestinian people fulfill the international legal definition of apartheid. Apartheid is legally defined as inhumane acts committed for the purpose of establishing and maintaining domination by one racial group over any other racial group of persons and systematically oppressing them. This occurs in Israel and Palestine through establishing two sets of laws, one for Israelis, one for Palestinians, which gives preferential treatment to Israeli Jews and oppressive treatment to Palestinians, expropriating Palestinian land and water for Jewish-only settlements, denying the right to freedom of residents to Palestinians, dividing the population along racial lines by the creation of separate reserves and ghettos for the Palestinians, denying the Palestinians the right to a nationality, urge members, congregations, presbyteries, national staff units, including the Office of Interfaith Relations to seek appropriate ways to bring an end to Israeli apartheid, direct the clerk to communicate this action to all other of our councils. So here we go again with the accusation of apartheid as a foundation for acting against Israel and boycotting the Jewish state. The committee declared that they were hoping that recognition of the problem would lead to peaceful reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians. No mention of terrorism was made, only mentions of occupation, apartheid, and the punishment of innocent Palestinians. So if there was no Palestinian nation and there never has been, how do we make sense of this and what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. We're going to look at a message of judgment that God gives through the prophet Ezekiel. In fact, he gives it right in the middle of a a message of of uh, restoration to the nation of Israel, future looking at the country. And in Ezekiel 35, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. And I'm often, very frequently, I'm told I go too fast. So here's what I will do. If I go too fast and you'd like a copy of this outline, I'll see that you get one, okay? So if I move too fast, I'll make sure you get an outline. But in Ezekiel chapter 35, in, the, in the, the verses 1 through 15, listen to what Ezekiel writes here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it. And say unto it, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee and I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate. I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred, and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. Therefore as I live, saith the Lord, I will prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Seir desolate, and cut off from it him that passeth out, and him that returneth. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men. In the hills, and in the valleys, and in all thy rivers shall they fall that are slain with the sword. I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy cities shall not return. And you shall know that I am the Lord." Because thou hast said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was here. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, that I have heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid desolate, they are given us to consume. Thus with your mouth you have boasted against me, and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. Thus saith the Lord, When the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate, As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Seir, in all Idumea, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So God pronounces judgment on Mount Seir, and he gives two specific reasons for that judgment. First, because they killed the children of Israel. In Ezekiel verse 5, 35, 5, he says, Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. So God says, one of the reasons I'm judging you is because you have killed my people. In Jeremiah 49, 17 and 18, Jeremiah says, Also Edom shall be a desolation everyone that goeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss at all the plagues thereof, as in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord, no man shall abide there, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. That's the first reason. The second reason is because when they speak against the Jewish people, God considers that blasphemy. And you think about that. The Abrahamic covenant is still in effect I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. So he goes on and says in, in Ezekiel thirty-five ten to 14 now, because thou hast said these two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord, I will do even according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, and that I have heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel. They are laid desolate, they are given us to consume. Thus, with your mouth you have boasted against me, and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them, thus saith the Lord, when the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. Let me make this point to everybody. Israel is still God's chosen people. Israel has a plan for God's chosen people. And I just just cringe when I hear Christians bashing the nation of Israel. And primarily for this one simple reason. A Jewish man saved my life and my soul. If, If nothing else, you cannot turn your back on Israel and expect to be blessed of God. When, when people say, what kind of a church are you? Well, we're an independent Bible church. Well, are you evangelical? Or are you fundamental? Listen, those names, the, the, the meanings of those things have changed over the years, so that I don't care to use any label, but if I must use a label, I will tell you what I consider myself. I am a Christian Zionist. Yeah. That's what I am, Amen. and nothing more, nothing less. There's no confusing that definition. I am a Christian Zionist.
1: Join us next time for our third episode in this series as we continue to address the question, what exactly is God doing in world politics? I will conclude by revealing God's hand in world politics as it concerns the United States of America. Does our nation even play a role in the end times? And if so, what is it? Come back to find out.
0: We hope that these presentations help you understand what God is doing today in world politics so that you can become better equipped to thrive and survive in these challenging times. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ and your heart crying out, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus.